Welcome, listeners, to Season 4, Episode 18 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we're watching The Mortuary Collection from 2020. And we have a special treat for you. Josephine McAdam will be joining us for an interview during our Scaredy Facts segment. But first, we have an inspired mocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be a mix of unexpected flavors. This episode will contain discussion on sexual assault, child death, and paralysis. If any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time. So I made the drink this episode. Yes, you did. I have not had a sip yet. I'm... I don't know if you'll like it. Probably not. We'll see. <laughs> uh, a lot of our mocktails have been like fruity, sort of like uh, sour char drinks. So you say that with such a tone. I mean, it's 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 <laughs> that there's just been a lot of that style. Uh huh. And I wanted to try something that was not that. <laughs> And I like it, but I don't know. Let's see if you like it. All right. I'm going to take my first sip. I know there's no chocolate in this, <laughs> but it feels chocolatey. Mm, I mean, that's good. I don't hate it. It's pretty good, actually. The main ingredient I can see here being this Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Which is not something that I enjoy. I I tried to make it maybe enjoyable for you because I know that's like your least favorite soda. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm glad that you didn't immediately just start hurling. That's a that's I mean, a big bonus. I just took a second swig. This Whoa, is good progress. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do agree. It's not. It's interesting. Our two cocktail flavors or styles. Yours are just liquor. Hey. Uh, but fan like you know like the fancier side like a nice short glass a big ice cube and then like m few liquors in there uh, so it's interesting for me to try a mocktail that you created because they ain't no liquor in here yeah it's really hard to like go around our apartment and be like what can I shove into a drink that's not alcoholic and I was like are bitters alcoholic and you're like yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I was like okay <laughs> Uh, like we have like Mio, like drink mix. We've got like, I don't, I don't know, like pickle juice. <laughs> can I put, can I put hot? I mean, everything that is in a Caesar except for the vodka is basically yep. non-alcoholic. But so. we already did a Caesar. So. No, I'm just thinking of like, it is hard to make a mocktail for somebody who mostly drinks, as you said, pure liquor drinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm like, I don't know. When I have a mocktail, I crack open a pop. And drink that. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like you've achieved it, though, with this. There, I can't give everything away. If you want the full recipe, you've got to go to patreon.com slash drink and scream. But um, there's definitely a Kelly signature ingredient <laughs> in here. I wanted the, like, scent of it to still... Like, I wanted it to smell kind of like a cocktail. Yeah. Um, Like, my goal was not to do, like, oh, a... a punch or something like that because that's that's not a mocktail that's just a juice drink i wanted something that is mocking a cocktail it's mm. just you know kind of feels like a cocktail but yeah. it's not alcoholic which is interesting i feel like fancy juice drinks are still like i would include that in the mocktail category because to me it's not like an imitation cocktail it's more like this is a really fun drink oh. but it doesn't include alcohol like a party drink yeah yeah so when you were like i wouldn't want to make a punch i was like i would definitely make a punch <laughs> It's also so hot, everybody. Holy crap. So this has a lot of ice in it, and I am enjoying that. Oh, yeah. That was a big sell as well. So. <laughs> we had the AC on in this space for a while, and it's already becoming incredibly hot as yeah. we turned it off. But we have to get going. We've got an interview to get to. So we got to ski on daddle from our drink section over to what we watched, which was the Mortuary Collection. It premiered on October 15th, 2020, and it's written and directed by Ryan Spindell. But we have some information about that <laughs> in the interview. Oh, my goodness. Mm. 
But yeah, that's what it is on paper. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Starring Clancy Brown as creepy mortician slash funeral director Montgomery Dark. Caitlin Custer as newly appointed mortician assistant slash secret child serial killer Sam. Emma Horvath as college student succubus with a twist Sandra. And our friend Josephine McAdam as movie within a movie babysitter extraordinaire Faye. This storyline was written by Yusuf Biskin. I hope I said that right on IMDb. In the phantasmagorical town of Raven's End, a misguided young girl takes refuge in a decrepit old mortuary. The eccentric undertaker chronicles the strange history of the town through a series of twisted tales, each more terrifying than the last. But the young girl's world is unhinged when she discovers that the final story is her own. <sighs> so let's just go through them one by one, uh, just so you can all get a feel of what we're talking about. I think our points are mainly going to be breaking down in detail our favorite anthology. Yeah. But it starts off with, I called it tentacles. I don't know what any of the real names are. <laughs> I've got are. The, the Wikipedia open that has the names for them. Oh, then what is tentacles' real name? It doesn't have a name. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you tricked me. It's a very young, uh, very beautiful, sorry, woman uh, who's in like 50s era clothing. Do you want me to read the Wikipedia sections? Because they're basically all just short synopsises of each of the sure. segments. Let's do that. All right. So segment one. In the 1950s, a young woman goes to the restroom during a party to check on the wallet she pickpocketed while attending. However, the bathroom medicine cabinet piques her curiosity and she tries to open it but is unable to. When she pries it open, she finds a tentacled monster inside and is killed by it. The monster drags the woman's body into the cabinet and shuts it. It was very short, very sweet. Yeah, it was nice. I, I liked that <laughs> the snappiness. Next one I called Succubus. Ooh. What did you call it? Well, Wikipedia. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia called it unprotected. Oh, that's good. Yeah. This one's my favorite, so we can like shorten this one. Uh, in the 1960s, frat boy Jake passes out condoms on campus, preaching the values of sexual liberation as an excuse to get girls to come to frat parties and sleep with the members of the fraternity. However, upon making a connection with a woman named Sandra at a party, he secretly removes his condom while having sex with her. The next morning, he finds himself with a rash and goes to the campus doctor for help. Jake discovers to his hoarder that he has a creature growing inside his stomach. He attempts to meet with Sandra, but is caught in a surprise celebration by his fraternity brothers for sleeping with 67 women. They let him go when his water breaks and covers the group with discolored ooze. At Sandra's house, Jake is laid down on a table by Sandra's parents to help him uh, birth his baby. Sandra is angered when Jake uh, admits that he took his condom off, resulting in his pregnancy. She leaves him with her parents, who tell him that the only way the baby can come out is the way that it got in. Jake's penis explodes, killing him, and Sandra's mother takes the monstrous baby upstairs and lays it in a crib in a f room full of other monstrous babies. Yeah. Yeah. Next one, I called Sick Lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one is called Till Death. Ah. Which makes sense. In the 1970s, Wendell Owens is depressed and devoted to taking care of his catatonic wife, Carol. Forced to plan his life around her, he responds positively to his doctor, the same doctor from the first one, <laughs> suggesting that he accidentally overdoses Carol on painkillers. However, when he tries to give them to her, she grabs his arm, then chokes on the food the pills were hidden in, forcing him to help her to throw them up. When he, she collapses afterwards, she impales her head on a statue and dies. Wendell calls the doctor for help, but is only told to get rid of the body. He dismembers the corpse amid hallucinations of it still being alive, then packs it into a truck and, trunk and takes it into his apartment building elevator. On the way down, the elevator gets stuck, and Wendell's neighbors call the police as he hallucinates blood leaking from the trunk. The elevator seems to start again and goes infinitely down as Carol's body rises up from the trunk in the form of a horrific ghoul and forces Wendell into a kiss. Very Guillermo del Toro. Very. When the police arrive, they find Wendell on the floor of the elevator repeating his wedding vows over and over with the corpse still in the box. 
Yeah. Next one, I called the Babysitter Murders. Of course, that is the name of it. Ha! Look at me. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, one evening, Sam babysits for a child named Logan. She's watching a horror movie as she cooks dinner, but misses the news bulletin about an escaped patient from the local asylum. She, she then finds a strange man with a head wound in the house. Not sure how he got in, Sam is uncertain about how to react until the phone rings and she hears an answering machine message about the escaped killer. This prompts her and the stranger to fight the man charging upstairs to try and find Logan. After a series of encounters, the man tries to strangle Sam, but she stops him by telling him he isn't a killer. She then throws the man downstairs and drops a TV on his head, crushing it. When Logan's parents, the doctor from the previous two uh, shorts, (laughs) and his wife come home, they find the dead man and recognize him as the real Sam as the broken television reveals that the woman claiming to be Sam is in fact a child murderer called the Tooth Fairy Killer who cannibalizes children. They find Logan's remains charred in the oven and scream. And then the last one I called Mortician Switch. Ooh, this one's just called the frame story, which is, I mean, yeah, I, I called them the bridge, like bet- the the mini stories that happen between the yeah, main stories, which is the whole overarching. But it's apparently called frame story, like a framing device. Yeah. As Sam finishes her story, she takes a tooth from Logan's remains, not having had a chance to do so when she killed him. She stabs uh, Montgomery in the stomach. However, Montgomery, who appears to bleed embalming fluid, simply laughs. Sam attempts to escape the mortuary, but finds herself unable to do so via a supernatural force. Montgomery corners her in the library and explains that he was never able to leave, and her story is only just beginning. The charged spirits of Sam's uh, child victim victims crawl out of the library books and tear her apart. Mont- Montgomery Very sew- Silent Hill. Hell yes. Montgomery <laughs> sews Sam's body back together and pl- replaces her blood with embalming fluid. Finally, he finds himself able to leave the mortuary for the first time. However, after a moment in the sunlight, he explodes into dust. Sam's body reanimates inside the mortuary and a final scene shows that she has now become the new mortician as she tells a child earlier seen delivering newspapers that she hopes he will stay for dinner. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam. Hit me with that trailer audio. This poor soul's journey has come to an end. From dust we started, to dust we return. Some tales even I find too unsettling to recount. She's dead! You gotta get that body out of your apartment. Keep your doors locked tonight and keep an eye out for crazies. Monsters! That's pretty cool. Yes. It is, isn't it? <laughs> the music of that trailer, though. Very good. Love it. It's very of the... It's it's really not like a whiplash from the actual film. It's very much like that. Like, dark, creepy horror, and then, like, super fun, like, jazzy time, yeah. and then spooky again. The whole aesthetic of that trailer was really good. Like, it felt very high quality, and all of their, like, font branding style was also on point. And it didn't give away anything. It no. was like, it's a scary story about five deaths. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. And Josephine was in it. She was in the trailer. I was like, I know her. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. And I've seen the beginning of that trailer a hundred times because Facebook keeps advertising Shudder to me and it uses the Mortuary Collection to advertise Shudder to me. Mm. She's like, I've already seen it. Show me other things. Uh, also, we have Shudder. Yeah, we have Shudder <laughs> and I've seen this. I don't need ads for it. Yeah. All right, lightning thoughts. Lightning thoughts. I think they're cool. They're very bright and uh, noisy, but they do this scare This is the buddy. opposite of lightning <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> no, they're thoughts about lightning. Kelly Wright! <laughs> Um, I really like the sort of wacky twist between the stories in the frame story, apparently. Mm. Um, Like most of the anthologies that we see either don't even have a frame story or like is some sort of like cautionary tale about like you're living your life wrong and you're not living up to your potentials. So we're going to teach you something or Tales from the Crypt where it's like, hey, I'm a zombie and I'm telling you stories, I think. Don't end up like me. A zombie? Dun, dun, dun. Anyways. Um, I finished my drink. It was really good. Yay, I did it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, The, like, as dark and sinister as I'm a serial kid murderer who likes to steal <laughs> body parts, it's, like, over I the top. Them. Yeah. It's, like, over the top spooky, and I liked that 
it kind of like just kept going off the rails the more and more you learned about it. Yeah. Like turning her into the new mortician via magic was pretty neat. And the fact that like you can't escape from the mortuary was kind of cool. And so familiar too. like everyone's heard the story of like the Dorian Gray painting, like you age immediately. It was very much that vibe. Yeah. And like you said, it had Silent Hill kind of references in it. Mm-hmm. The with, scary burned children. Yeah, the gray babies <laughs> from Silent Hill 1. The moment I saw that, I was like, this feels specifically like the Silent Hill movie. Yeah. Because the gray babies in the game are like literally just like little gray babies that walk around and like, ah, 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 and they kind of try to grab you. Yeah. But the ones in the movie were like burning charred babies with like ash and fire coming off and glowing, of glowing yeah glowing body parts yeah so the 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 framing device of these stories was kind of neat and the fact that she was like she just felt like a horror movie fan that was like these stories aren't creepy enough for me scare old man me more yeah i dare you to tell me a real scary story yeah which felt very um but then it was very much well <laughs> the scariest story is your life yeah <laughs> Which again goes back to how a lot of anthologies are, where it's like, you're living your life wrong. Let the tales from the past kind of correct your mistakes. Um, And she was like, nah, dog, I'm evil. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the frame story was pretty cool. What was your favorite anthology? Um, My favorite anthology was probably Till Death. Okay, yeah, um, the one with the the mo- the woman, the wife that gets chopped up. Yeah, I liked my my biggest thing was the climax. I liked the visuals of the climax of like the blood rising off the floor of the elevator and them kind of like embracing in this weird almost sh- um, shape of water style embrace. Yeah, I was getting a lot of like Crimson Peak vibes yeah, from that. Real Gal- Del Toro is. Yeah. Um, but it it kind of a lot of these stories were like somebody did something wrong and therefore they are being punished. Yep. Woman steals wallet, gets sucked into mirror. Man tricks woman, gets pregnant, bursts penis. <laughs> um, eats child, gets turned into mortician. But this one was kind of more telling about society because like he was happy. They were happy. They got married. And then she fell deathly ill, uh, became catatonic. And was utterly failed by the healthcare system. Yeah. Uh, classic story of persons supporting their spouse going into massive debt, not being able to get out of it. Uh, clearly doesn't have support from either of their families or anything. And we're supposed to feel that he's the villain for taking the route of ending her life. Something that a healthcare professional told him to do. Yeah. Um, but she didn't want to die. I think that was the biggest thing. While we were watching it, I turned to you and I was like, just gork me if this happens. Like, please. Yeah. Um, but when he tries to kill her with the pain meds, she like you said in the description, she grabs his arm and is like, please don't do this, basically. Yeah. But he's put in like there's literally no good solution out of that problem. Yeah. Like he's in massive debt. Neither of them are going to be able to get out of that. Even if she came back, like for the rest of their life, they would be in massive debt. And she wouldn't come back. Yeah. And like you said, she didn't want to die. So he was stuck in that position of like needing to support her, uh, not having the support of the healthcare so system sad. or anything. It was awful. <laughs> Again, having a healthcare professional tell him. Just, yeah. And even like in in his in a happy mental state, he would never consider it. But he's like being taken advantage of now because. He's in this terrible mental state and a trusted professional is like, well, here you go. There's your solution. Yeah. And then is utterly punished for it through magic. Well, probably just hallucination, according to the description, but is like punished through magical means for doing this. And I I felt bad for him, not because of his decisions, but because of this horrible situation that he's been put in. It's unimaginable. Yeah. Like the people who have to go through that. Oh, man. So and I like and I obviously feel bad for her, too, because she it happened literally on their wedding day. So I, don't, I, I think that it tells a different story if you know that the healthcare system is bullshit. Yeah. How about we fix that society? Let's all band together. So that- Tales like this don't need to happen anymore because it was a very real story. Yeah. And then it ends with him uh, getting sent to the asylum as well because the whole event sent him into like his own sort of catatonic state. Yeah. Which also then during the frame story, 
we see, or no, not during the frame story, during the um, babysitter murders, we see him on the television wearing like a guard's uniform. So I was like, maybe the the twist is that he, during the breakout, stole a guard's uniform. He could have. At that point, I wasn't, I was thinking like they were just reusing cast members oh. in every anthology and that they weren't being each other. But the doctor was like had the through line, I think, of always being that doctor. So I'm not sure. But they what each story was like a decade apart and he was no younger yeah. in the pregnancy one than he was or he was, seemed like the same age the entire way through. Yeah. So you're probably right, but I like my idea because <laughs> he seemed the the guy who stole the or I think stole the guard's uniform seemed really awkward during the interview as well. So I was like, that's uh, something's up. Mm. It's time for Whispers from Beyond. This is the part of our show where we thank you, the listeners, for tweeting about us, for sharing us on social media, telling your friends, leaving us reviews. That's one of the best ways to help us, either on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. But today, we are shouting out Jackie Vetrano. I hope I'm saying your last name right, Jackie. And all of you should know her because she's been on the show. Yeah. This is Jackie from Jackie Watches Stuff. She tweeted about our season four, episode 15 episode saying, I laugh during every episode of Drinking and Screaming because Kelly and Shaw are funny as heck, but this episode is especially hilarious. Even if you've never seen LOL or read Bird Box, you need to listen to this one. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. Yeah. That's so kind. I'm getting all teared up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't remember being particularly funny during any episode, so it's it's really nice <laughs> yeah. when people point out that we were funny. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. I'm very unaware of anything that I say. <laughs> so if you want to be shouted out on the show, just leave us a review. Give us a shout out on socials and we will read your tweets. Jumping into my thoughts here. Yes. I just want to get a quick one out of the way. Lightning thought of the vibe of this film. We yeah. kind of talked about it with the trailer, uh, how it was so fantastical, mythical, still funny, but uh, it was like very thick in the magic of it all while still being very horror. Mm -hmm. And it really felt not too scary. Like I almost wanted to have this be a recommendation of like, you know, if you don't like scares, go for this movie. But then I'm like, actually, <laughs> when you think about the stories, they're all really fucked up. Yeah. And really and, scary. And a lot of them are visually horrifying. Yeah. So um, I'm very wrong. But that's <laughs> what the, the vibe of this magical fantasy got in my brain. Mm -hmm. And we'll discuss that again with Josephine in very, very quick. Uh, I just do want to talk about my favorite anthology out of this series my favorite episode it's not an anthology an anthology is the whole thing uh segment apparently ah uh, yes according to wikipedia again i want to talk about the succubus twist which was what was that one again uh unprotected yes okay so stealthing is assault yes if anyone didn't know that, that's literally fucking assault. So don't take off a condom without someone's explicit consent. So this guy fucking got what he deserved. Yes. But um, it was so funny because the episode started. It's the guy being super macho, talking with all these ladies about sexual empowerment and down with the patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. And I literally was like, you are a scumbag. I know it for sure. And then we saw the opening shot of the character Sandra. And I immediately was like, oh, that's a succubus. She's going to like <laughs> suck him dry. But that whole twist about how she, I mean, they do have sex for like eight hours, I think, which is great. Um, <laughs> And it was kind of funny. They did like a quick jump between all of them. Yeah, it was like fast forwarded. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. But then it was his own fault about taking off that condom that got him in this very deadly predicament. Mm -hmm. She didn't she didn't say that he would get pregnant if uh, he didn't wear a condom. But that's just something you should be worried about all the time. Yeah. And she was all into the sex as long as he was wearing a condom. She provided one. Yeah, exactly. The one that he gave her. 
No, his friend gave to her. Oh, yeah, right. His a weird friend that was looking up to him. And then it was so, like, this whole jock culture is very, I'm so glad I never had, like, sororities or, like, is, or, is it a sorority if it's all guys? Uh, fraternity. Fraternity, yes. I'm so glad I was never exposed to that as a teenager because I probably would have gotten all swept up in it, but, like, to have these banners of when you've bedded 67 women. Yeah. And like they're all taught. Have sex. Enjoy. Enjoy your sex lives. What if one of the, the frat bros was gay and slept with 67 men? Would they put up another banner for him? Uh, yeah. Uh, or would they be like, that's gross, dude? Probably that one. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, it is weird because I also kind of like for the longest time romanticized going to college, like having dumb experience with friends getting drunk all the time and whatnot yeah uh but i probably also would have turned into a douchey frat bro if i had done that oh god so i'm glad i did not We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by American Nightmare Candle Company. Discount time. Get 10% off your order on their Etsy page with code Drink and Scream. Bring the horror into your home with a handmade soy wax candle from American Nightmare Candle Company. They have brand new gift boxes that include two different size candles with scents of your choice, a candle coaster, and safety matches. They're available for purchase at Etsy.com slash Nightmare Candle Co. and on their website. This season of drinking and screaming would not be possible without the support from Mad Lab Distillery. Although we didn't use their stuff in today's mocktail, we do use their stuff whenever we make a cocktail. You can get their awesome stuff at madlabdistilling.com. I'm probably going to go make myself a cocktail after this with their stuff. <laughs> we said stuff so much in that. Stuff. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Go get their stuff. Go get it. Listen, it's some good stuff, y'all. <laughs> enough is never enough with Mad Lab distilling stuff if you get that <laughs> reference you are a true drinking and screaming slash horror fan you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream and you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com it's been a while since we've gotten a synopsis emailed to us yeah geez I would love to read off a synopsis written by a listener we're doing spoilers for the end of the episode I know what you did last summer <laughs> is next week please email us a synopsis I also mentioned early in the season that if people told us a bunch of things that we got wrong we would do a special episode and nobody did, so that idea has fallen to the wayside. It's because we are never wrong, We're never ever. wrong. And you people don't know enough about horror, clearly, that you don't, oh, you got nothing to correct us about. You're getting called so out, listeners. You got four, three or four episodes left in the season, so, you know, if we got anything wrong, which we didn't, and you wouldn't know, I guess, uh, no special episode. <laughs> Anyways, for more information, to call us out, and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. Exploding penis! So, uh, going with the story motif of various different uh, segments, uh -huh. I've got a seg. I've got this new, interesting, cool fad segment for our podcast. Oh. I, I got this book. It's got big face on it. It screams when you try to read it. So, <laughs> I figured it's time to open the Reconomicon. <laughs> 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 exploding penis. <laughs> Uh, my recommendation is Three Extremes from 2004. I keep telling Char we should watch this, but I don't know. It never comes up when we watch various horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Although we did watch the audition recently, and I think it probably would have fit into that. But it's definitely got a different feel than this anthology. It's a lot more like somber, sort of dire spooky. But it's three separate movies of in an anthology. There's no frame story unfortunately yeah. but um yeah it's really good it's one of my favorite anthologies so that's three extremes from 2004 nice my recommendation is the brothers grim from 2005 which i'm recommending specifically for this high magic fantasy fairy tale horror vibe it's a fairy tale film of you know the typical brothers grim brothers but they do a nice little reversal of your expectations. Um, it's still very creepy, but it's light on jump scare horror. And that's The Brothers Grimm from 2005. It's been a while since I've seen that. 
Might want to watch it again. Yeah, it's really good. I like it a lot. I haven't seen it in a while either. It's one of those films that would be something that we would watch at the cottage a lot with um, my family. You know what else we would watch at the cottage a lot? Ta-da! Scaredy facts. This is the part of our podcast where we let you snuggle into our uh, cottage or our mortuary, you know, wherever you might be working, <laughs> stuff you full of formaldehyde and uh, read some trivia facts so that we can realize that all of this was fake and they were just actors and that the mortician was Clancy Brown, the guy who plays the detective in Detroit Become Human. <laughs> Yes, there you go. Bonus scaredy fact. Yeah. So starting with the budget, I don't have one as per this new IMDb world we live in. But I did find the gross worldwide, which is three hundred and seven thousand dollars. Oh, that's not great. Yeah. It premiered during COVID. It's a Shutter original. Yeah. Um. So very interesting how that happened. But still. Uh, I do know that, as you will see, very soon, minutes away, the interview with Josephine, it is a lot of like indie people working yeah. together. So um, I'm still very proud of them for what they did accomplish. Yeah, I feel like not a lot of people have Shudder compared to, you know, Netflix. other things. Yeah. Yeah. But because uh, it is very niche, like you can get Netflix and have horror and other things as well. Yeah. We like Shudder because it's all horror. <laughs> so it's perfect for us. OK, super quick. The pennants hanging in the fraternity house bear the surnames of several members of the cast and crew. That's gross. I would not <laughs> want that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of fun to have your name in the actual filming of it, not just the credits. Clancy Brown's makeup took two and a half hours to apply and one hour to remove. He kept the fake teeth that he wore in the film. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Caitlin Fisher, who plays Sam, was actually seven months pregnant when filming some scenes. Huh. And keeping with the whole actors getting to steal things from set, she kept the wristband that she wore during filming. Interesting. She didn't keep the teeth? Because uh, <laughs> she stole the teeth. That's funny. When Jake reaches for his keys in the succubus short, one of his keychains features a leather tag stamped with the image of a seahorse. Given how seahorses reproduce, being able uh, with the men giving birth, this is a major hint as to what's happening to him. If you haven't watched a male seahorse give birth, it is a horrifying experience. <laughs> I have not. It's kind of just like he's coming, but a bunch of babies are coming out and then they start swimming around. <laughs> Blink and you'll miss it. All the little babies. <laughs> now, the final tale is largely assembled from the director's short film, The Babysitter Murders, from 2015. And this is the one where Josephine plays, Josephine McAdam plays the babysitter within the movie, within the movie. So meta. Very cool. She's basically Laurie Strode <laughs> in Halloween. Um and it was so fun. But let's just get into that interview now. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Josephine. We are <laughs> thrilled to have you here. Hello. Thank you for having me. We, For those of you who listen to Tabletop Titties, we met Josephine uh, when she played Skula for mm. our game in TTRPG. And she decimated all of my players. It was <laughs> so much fun. Both physically and verbally, which is probably the best part. <laughs> And we were so thrilled when we found out that you also were in some horror films. Um, so this will yes. be the first of a double feature. But of course, this is the Mortuary Collection, our scaredy facts section where we get down and dirty into all the trivia and fun little stories that you can hit us with. But I wanted before we really got into it, um, tell everybody about yourself. Where where can they find you? What are you uh, working on? If you can tell us. Yes. Um, well, I'm Josephine McAdam, as you heard. Uh, I am an actress. I'm also a gamer, so I stream on Twitch as well when I'm not on set or auditioning. But I do have a, a short sci-fi project coming up later this year, but I can't really divulge more about that. You know, as is the way. Yeah, you can never divulge anything. So what's fun about streaming is that generally I can talk about it right away. Um mm -hmm. We have a new season of our Vampire the Masquerade show, L.A. by Night, coming mm -hmm. back in September, season five, on World of Darkness's Twitch channel, 
which is also great, you know, horror, spooky, dark. Yes, we've had uh, B. Dave on. We've had Cynthia Marie. So lovely. Yes. You all need to go watch L.A. by Night if you haven't already. (laughs) Uh, Are you going to be filming in person? Yes. Everyone's going to be vaccinated. We're so excited. We're very excited. We've done a lot of planning to make sure that it could happen. But yes, we're so looking forward to it. And uh, and then um, the other show that I'm currently doing is called Shikar, and it is a Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition game that just recently started. We only have about uh, 11, 12 episodes out right now. And uh, we are doing level three level ups with one shot side adventures for each of our characters. And it's a great point to jump in because at the end of that, we have a campfire episode where we tell each other all the adventures we went on. So if you want to jump in, (laughs) there's that. Um, And that's on that bronze girls YouTube or Twitch. Nice. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Shakar, I've seen, I haven't been following every episode, but I do try to pop in every now and then. And it's <laughs> so lovely. One of my favorite things about it is how it kind of subverts the usual like D&D let's play or uh, stream of ending on this like intense cliffhanger. Like it always <laughs> makes me feel so warm and cozy when I watch it. Yes. It's very wholesome. It's uh, it's just, it's like three dads and a demon <laughs> child, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the perfect <laughs> All right there. (laughs) (laughs) So shifting back to horror, though, (laughs) you let me know that you were a little bit of a scaredy cat. Uh, So I wanted to know if you had a lot of our listeners are also self-proclaimed scaredy cats. And um, do you have any recommendations for people who might not have a strong heart when it comes to the scares? Yes, I feel like Scaredy Cat is a very kind way to say that I I truly, I truly cannot watch so much horror, which is a shame because I do love, you know, I love the world. I love the aesthetic. Clearly, I am enamored (laughs) with with the genre, but I cannot. I mean, I get worried about going to screenings of my own films. Like, that's how bad it is. Um, Okay, yeah. (laughs) So for me, when when I do watch uh, horror, darker genre. It's probably not the scariest ones. I when it has when it's steeped in like either fantasy or sci-fi or has some otherworldly aspect like that is easier for me. And so you know, it's more things like Pan's Labyrinth or yeah. uh, vampire and that movies. That shit is you know. creepy. Yes, yeah. yes. It's I a different. <laughs> yes, that I can I can remove myself and and you know sort of be transported to another world and with other horror I I don't know if it's just that I put myself there too much but it'll mess me up for weeks and so usually I don't <laughs> like and I mean it'll mess me up for weeks um, so yeah. Good answer. I, yeah usually I suggest like horror that's not that scary I never thought of like horror that's not really the focus of the horror but more on sci-fi or fantasy that's that's really cool mm-hmm. yeah and that was actually something when we were watching the mortuary collection as soon as you start watching it, you can tell it's very much like fantasy layered, like thick uh, mise-en-scene yes. there. And we were both so like, ooh, interesting. Ooh. What are we yes. getting into? It's very it's some, stylized. Right? Yeah. Mm. And the color in particular it feels like it's almost like a, a fantasy book. <laughs> hmm. Yes. Uh, when I went to the premiere, I had no idea. I hadn't seen any of it. Right. So <laughs> I I um, or it wasn't a pre- it was a screening just for us, though. And I I was you know, I told my partner, I was like, I'm, I'm nervous uh, that I'm going to be too scared. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the other segments are like, too. And, you know, I know my own. So it's like I, I know what, how that one plays out. But um, but I was very pleasantly surprised because this is very much the kind of horror that I could watch because because of the stylist. Yeah. Style. Style. Stylization? Stylization, thank you. It's a word if it's not, yeah. Sounds right. (laughs) Now it is. (laughs) Which, that's something I was going to transition to with like how you were going to react with the other anthologies. Were they too scary to see uh, compared to your own? But thankfully, I guess Mortuary was funny enough. Yeah, they were were fun. I'm trying to think if there was one that I was was particularly... um, 
I mean, you, yeah, I suppose the first time I've watched it multiple times now, right? So like I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, this doesn't scare me now. <laughs> um, but that's not how it was at the beginning, because at the beginning I was I was holding my partner's hand, like especially the. Um, is it the first segment with the with the thing that's in the mirror? You know, because yes. you imagine so many worse things. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know, like that. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. Me just a little bit. Um, and then, of course, the one with. Um, well, that was just more disturbing, but with the wife uh, uh, who's being taken Chopped care up. of. Yeah. Yes. And gets chopped. That was horrifying. The ending with the creature in the elevator was very yeah. cool. That very, one was, yes. it was very scary. The whole her whole uh, aesthetic was very Del Toro there for a second when she was coming out of the box. Totally. Yes, and that was that was V Nixie, um, who is also a friend, and she just did such a great job. Who's the ghost in that, oh, yeah, in cool. that moment? That's yeah. Cool. Which I yeah I was like, is that a person or is that like just animation mm-hmm. or a physical prop? Yes, yeah, cool. you should check out her Instagram because like it, she shows like all the you know behind the scenes makeup, and you see like it's this mix of makeup and green screen and it's very cool awesome (laughs) yeah there's a lot of moments like that where you almost settle in with like okay it's it's more grounded in this one this this story is a little bit less creepy (laughs) and then all of a sudden this like horrifying creature comes out of the tickle trunk and you're like oh no (laughs) what have i gotten into i almost thought it was better when that happened because i was just so sad like that was like real life horror like i don't need that right now Oh thank God! It's and just fantasy. I just I love the the frat boy. Oh um, yes, <laughs> it's, it's um I think for many women I don't know I won't speak for everyone. Uh, it's very satisfying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> agreed. This moment that the woman with the glasses came on screen, I was like, oh, she's a succubus. I know oh. it. Oh man. Yeah. And then of course he like gets so punished for stealthing the condom like that's on you dude what a dick move literally yes it was it's it's great i really loved it (laughs) (laughs) when he like has to admit it in front of the parents and then they'll just kind of like side eye him and he's like no you don't understand i was overweight it allows me to be a douche come on yeah yeah exactly yeah (laughs) what and no one no one feels for him. Everyone's no, like, yeah, not okay. at all. <laughs> you deserve what you got. Yeah, that was. I mean, she, the the they said it best after the fact. She's like, it had a great message to it, and it had some commentary. <laughs> yeah, but before we recorded or started recording today, uh, you let us know a little bit of a mix up that I made. That this wasn't your segment. Now diving into your segment of the Mortuary Collection wasn't actually directed by Ryan Spindell. Well, I. S- I suppose it's probably, you know, Ryan came on set, but I was hired and brought on by Joe Nicolosi, um, who is um, who was on set as well for most of for all of it, directing us all and and doing all the different segments because our so as you know, the babysitter murders segment is has a film inside of a film. Yes. (laughs) Very meta. (laughs) Um, And so the our section that's on the TV was all filmed in Austin about five, six, seven years ago. Holy cow, you wow. couldn't tell. Like, <laughs> you looked just the same. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yes, so so that, the entire, they had already filmed um, the, the real life, you know, so to speak, section of it in LA and so Ryan flew out he had already sent you know they had discussed with Joe ahead of time and um, we started filming and we're getting all set for that and he came for I'm not sure if he was there for all of the days of filming but most of them mm-hmm. um, just to sort of observe and also for us to be able to match some of the shots mm. right from the original and so that that for me was super fun was being able to see you know when she sits up and like, here's a scream. Yeah. And you have to have that exact same moment. You know. Her. Yeah. So, you know, they would show me the footage and then we're like, okay, we got to time this out, you know, like to try and match it. And um, it was really fun. And I had actually, I'd wanted to work with Joe for a long time just because he did a bunch of great stuff that I would see at South by Southwest locally in Austin when I was there. And just, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I would love to, love to film something together. And um it was very indie at that point. Like we didn't know we was we were just making a short. Yeah, yeah. it was not 
you know, I didn't realize that it would be part of a, I think, I think maybe was it like the someone plan mentioned when it. you started. Oh, I know that it was very much Ryan's plan. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure that we were aware um, necessarily. We we're just, I think, you know, maybe it came up a couple and we're like, oh yeah, that would be cool. You know, but. Yeah. The, yeah. In passing. There's, uh, you know, when you're starting, in, especially in indie, there's a lot of hopes for more uh, mm-hmm. to come from shorts. <laughs> and it's not, it's not always the case that they do. And so we were like, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. It'd be cool. It'd be awesome. And uh, the short is actually what got, you know, all of the funding for the feature to to happen. Holy so shit. It was the first one that was filmed. And um yeah, it's pretty awesome. Wow. <laughs> That's, yeah, wow. Feel proud of yourself. Woohoo. <laughs> it's cool because I don't think Shudder even existed like five or six years ago, did it? Oh, yes. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. As if I, as if I knew oh, yeah, in that no. moment. I, I mean, I, I, I think so, but I'm not too sure either now that I've said it. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, but so can we get a bit more detail about the filming process for the actual short that you did compared to what you had to do for the mortuary collection, like additional scenes. Was there anything that you had extra recorded that didn't make it into the film or was everything really there? It's really tight ship. No, it's exactly what we filmed. We filmed those exact segments and to see them in the, you know, was interesting. Actually, hmm, let me think. I think there is more recorded. Yes. Okay. There probably are some more. So I mean, I've actually seen two cuts of it. So I'm, I think in my memory, it's getting uh, <laughs> mixed up. But there, I think there were some extra moments um, because we would film out almost like a full scene. Like, you know, I think you just see little snippets of me, you know, like reading the story to the, the girl she's babysitting, you know, and we have like a full scene. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah, I think it just cuts away maybe just a little bit before and after you know yeah before the ends of them but it was very very meticulously planned like it was clear that they knew exactly where they were going to be inserting these shots and it was cool it was nice to have it be very certain and very planned I don't know yeah yeah was it did it feel kind of strange to have to like get back into the mindset after so long or is it just like riding a bike oh well we didn't film anything new I mean it's like everything from like five or six years ago we didn't have to reshoot or I add see. anything. Okay. I uh, thought even like the moment when you had to like match the looking away. No, oh. no, we did all of that about six years ago. So all of this okay, has been okay, me. Okay, I was okay. like, okay, we'll talk about it. I was like, let me reach back into my <laughs> mind <laughs> bank and uh, <laughs> and remember. Yeah, no, we filmed it forever. We didn't have to do any additional scenes. It just worked. We had talked about the possibility. Ryan had reached out to me when I was and at the time. Time now I was in LA, you know, about possibly filming more. Um, but I think probably, you know, a whole budget constraint at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Like it stood it stood well on its own. I agree. You were basically Laurie Strode in that. I thought it was very funny having the whole like Halloween yeah. sort of <laughs> spoof. Uh, was That's, very cool. That was definitely, you know, obviously what was told to told to us that we were yeah. Uh, doing an homage to. Did you his... watch Halloween as a resident Scooby hat? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I've done I've done multiple horror movies, so there's always some reference. And I will try one uh, uh, another horror I did, you know, asked me to watch The Shining and I, I tried and. I had to turn it off. I was so upset. I mean, my, my oh. partner even told me, it was like, just... It's not worth just, it. Just lie. Just turn yeah. it off. At this. I'll tell you, because he loves horror. He knows a lot about horror, like, through and through. We, yes, we met working at a haunted house, and so he knows huh. a lot. So anytime that I, I need to fill in the blanks, I'll usually refer to him mm. and have him help me out. Yeah. Um, and this gotta, is definitely one of those. <laughs> you just got to do that no. thing where you say, like, I didn't want to be affected by someone else's performance. I wanted to go in pure <laughs> with my own well, idea. <laughs> there's that. I usually, I'll find clips, you know, if I know yeah. that there's famous scenes, famous moments, that so that I know what they're referencing or what they're talking about. But I do actually like not being influenced by it because I think especially in horror, people get very, um, they have a way that they think that they see it, but in the end, they want something original. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of nice to know that I 
don't know the originals, <laughs> like yeah. the, 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 the classics yeah. that it may be based off of. So nice. I don't know. I, I just, I just, yeah. I just get to focus on acting and not worrying about copying someone else's, you know, performance or anything like that. And uh, before we let you go on with your day, what was like, do you have any like your favorite story from being on set or your favorite part about working on the show? For this one, like I said, I was so excited to work with Joe. I had been watching... If you haven't watched it, this is so odd because it was a bumper in the South by Southwest Film Festival. So between films, they show bumpers that are done usually locally by filmmakers. And there's this one that Joe did, and it's a fake movie trailer for a horror film called Hell No. <laughs> and if you haven't seen seen it, I would recommend going on YouTube and looking it up. It's so funny and it's essentially just like it sets up all of these like horror films, except all the antagonists just say no and turn around. They don't go in <laughs> and it's like multiple scenes and it's just it's so, so funny. Um, and I just seen the work, you know, like seen and all my friends had been in it, too, because it's a very small, tight knit community. And so that aspect of seeing someone that I had admired at the festivals and getting to work with them. And then I was surrounded by so many people I knew on set um, was just a really fun time. We just had fun with it. And especially because we were doing segments, there wasn't as much stress on this because because it was so planned. They yeah. knew exactly what they were doing. We're like, okay, well, we're doing this, we're doing that, you know, like, and it's not like there's too much of a through line as far as we're concerned, like from scene to scene, because we're skipping yeah. yeah, and yeah. um, and it was just yeah, it was f a lot of fun and um, yeah, really pleasant set. Everyone was really nice. That's so That's nice. Awesome. We hear so many horror stories when we are doing our research on filmmaking and how the cast gets <laughs> treated and stuff. So that's such a nice, heartwarming thing to end on for this. Oh yeah, no, we were we were treated. Greatly, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Josephine, for coming. Uh, we always love speaking with you. And um, for everybody listening, this will not be the last you see of them because we're going <laughs> to be doing another episode with you soon. Right. Yay. <laughs> thank you so much. And that's it. Time for final thoughts. Um, I really like that this ended with the potential of sequels with Sam becoming the new mortician. I feel like they will. Hopefully it was six. It found enough success that they are going to do a second one. Yeah, I feel like if they maybe re-released it in theaters once COVID is done, that might be a good idea. But I know that another media push would be very expensive. Yeah, so probably not. But I like I said, I it ended kind of feeling like there would be a sequel. So I hope there is. Yeah. I had the longest time of this feeling of pushing back against anthologies for some reason, like prejudice of like not thinking I wouldn't like them. But we haven't watched an anthology that I haven't really <laughs> not enjoyed. This was a really fantastic film. I'll definitely whip it out again. It's totally Halloween party material um, or just us wanting to have like a fun, spooky night. It's interesting that you would say that you didn't like anthologies because we've historically said that short films are the better versions of like exactly. when we watch a short film and then it gets turned into a longer movie yeah. like the longer movie always sucks so but the shorts are good and yeah. that's what anthologies are I will say I mean like when I say that I don't like anthologies or I thought that I didn't that was like pre-drinking and screaming times but you know you also like love stories like th those like Christmas stories where everyone's off having their different adventures and those are basically anthologies <laughs> yeah that's true so fuck me I guess <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again so so much to Josephine McAdam for coming on to discuss this whole process with us we always love working with you for those of you I think I plug it in the interview but Josephine came on during Tabletop Titties first season she played Skula and murked all of my players <laughs> it was very fun times um but yeah she's an amazing person check out all of her online content you will not regret it well that's been the mortuary collection a movie about sam the horror movie fan who probably drops insults in the comments <laughs> next week we'll be watching i know what you did last summer Ooh. from 1997 and remember always scream responsibly and bye Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drink and scream. 
Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.